0: Well, now that we're into the new year, I know it's a time where we prioritize looking at ourselves, our health, our well you know, mind, body, and spirit, as they say. For me, I know I've made a couple resolutions for myself, and I know most people most people do, but there are certain people who have a hard time following through with those resolutions, and not it's not always because they can't or don't have the fortitude to do it. It's sometimes related to other things, like access to health care, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all have goals. Some of us don't reach them. I'm guilty of that. Uh, but a lot of people, when we're talking about resolutions, we're talking about like losing weight or eating healthier. But one of the things that gets overlooked a lot, I think, is oral health care. So many things that go on through the rest of your body are just linked to your teeth and gums. Like You can go into a dentist chair and they can Look for signs of throat cancer or diabetes, anything that you can think of. So it's really important to go see a dentist because maybe your health journey is going to go off track because of something the dentist could have spotted.
0: Well, today we are going to have a nice conversation with two of the dentists from our School of Dentistry, Dr. Robert Windsor, and he is the Director of Clinical Operations in the Division of General Dentistry, and Vineet Dar. Vineet is the Assistant Dean of Postgraduate graduate and professional studies in dentistry. He's also the clinical professor and chair of orthodontics and pediatric dentistry and the division chief of pediatric dentistry. And that's going to be important as we have this conversation, because he has a lot to share about pediatric checkups and well care to avoid traumatic situations later.
1: And the university of Maryland school of dentistry has a ton of community programs and we won't get to them all, but you will hear a few of them that are making tremendous impacts in the community.
0: Okay. So then let's talk teeth. You're listening to the heartbeat of the university of Maryland, Baltimore, the UMB pulse. So Bob and Venet welcome to the UMB Pulse podcast. We really appreciate you joining us to, to kick off the new year 2024. How did we get here already? <laughs> but I think it's important that when we're looking at the new year, we can we can talk about things that relate to health and well-being and one of those is certainly our dental or our oral care. So I read something recently that says oral health is a critical component of overall health. And why why is that? Why would why would you say that?
2: So when I was considering that that statement, I you know was kind of looking to see what I could find, and I found that the World Health Organization stated it much more eloquently than what I could. So I'll just read what they defined it. It's quite quick, but it, they define it as a state of the mouth, teeth, and oral facial structures. That enable individuals to perform essential functions such as eating, breathing, and speaking. It also encompasses psychosocial dimensions such as self confidence, well being, and the ability to socialize and work without pain, discomfort, and embarrassment. I mean, that really states if, if, if we think about our patient. You know, we we have patients that come in. They're going to be interviewing for a job, and 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 they're missing a tooth, or or they have a tooth that's black, or something along those lines. And that very dramatically affects their self-confidence, and even if, they, if, if they're going to follow through with that application, um, you know, and the, the thing that Venet and I notice is that the oral disease has disproportionately affect the vulnerable populations or the disadvantaged population, and it can be profound effects in nutrition and systemic diseases, so oral health is, is a very important um, thing for us.
3: Allow me to add to that, Dana, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here and thank you for having us, and and greetings to all the listeners. I want to say that regarding the code, simply put, oral health is an integral part of overall health and well-being. Let's think of mouth as a gateway to the rest of the body, and poor oral health will have serious implications on overall health. So from that perspective, dental care is medically necessary care. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's so true. My dentist reinforces that that same thought every time I go, so he talks about getting good vitamins in your system and everything just that also help affect your teeth. We recently put out an issue of what's called here at UMB, the M-dental magazine, which is our dental schools um, magazine that shares all kinds of interesting information, some of which we're going to talk about today because you've been featured in there. And Dean Mark Reynolds of the School of Dentistry recently said, at the University of Maryland School of Dentistry, expanding access to oral health care is among our top priorities. So let's jump in and talk a little bit about what some of these programs are, what these initiatives look like, and how we are helping to serve that that community that may not traditionally get the health care that they need.
3: Absolutely. Looking forward to the discussion.
1: And there is so much going on at the University of Maryland School of Dentistry. Overall, with the state initiative, we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of Maryland Healthy Smiles Dental Program, and that's really critical for seniors, but it targets everybody um, in Medicaid 21 and up. Bob, what does that program encompass and how does it work?
2: So Maryland Healthy Smalls is is the new name of the medical assistance program. And as you mentioned, Charles, it began um, in January 2023, essentially the the state combined programs that we had for pediatric patients and also for pregnant mothers uh, that they were covering at that time, and there was another experimental program. Uh, but then they they moved them into one program covered by one entity. I guess Skygen is the administrator for that. Uh, but they also added 800,000 adults to that, and and that was really the big thing for us. And uh, it's a pretty comprehensive program, it covers checkups, exams, you know, um, x-rays, cleanings, fluoride treatments, um, some emergency treatments. It also covers some things that haven't been well covered in the past, such as root canals, uh, crowns on teeth that have root canals and on, on teeth that need crowns. And also it, it covers extractions and anesthesia for that. So it, it is a, a pretty comprehensive program. How was it?
1: Getting dental coverage before you mentioned a few things that that were added, but but does this does this program make it I guess simpler to tap into those benefits?
2: Yes, it does. I mean the, I guess the process, if if we want to talk on that that for for a minute, is that our patients need to make it you know to determine whether or not they're part of that Maryland Healthy Smiles. Uh, program that's something that they can do through the department of health or or different things like that um and i i, I would imagine that's probably the same for the pediatric patients i th- I think the Vanique can help us out with that um but you know, once they've determined that they do have that coverage, then they can come to the school and we can bring them into our program. You know we can provide some numbers if you want later on, maybe call center numbers for uh, because that's the way to enter into the school. essentially, you call that. And and they, that person who answers the phone determines where that patient's going to be going. They arrange maybe for a screening clinic, uh, and then you know we can move the person into our, our our system. So that's that's the way it works for us. So
3: Maryland Healthy Smiles Dental Program is essentially dental care for anyone who's eligible for Medicaid services, mm-hmm. and this is the whole gamut of those services. Uh, that can be included in that. It's all; they're all covered services. Before, we had Medicaid coverage for the children under 21 years of age, pregnant women. Now it's been expanded to adults as well, uh, and that's what Bob was alluding to. Uh, coverage has increased, and that has this increased advantage in improving access to care.
1: Great, thank you for for explaining that and, and adding to that. Um, you, you can take this in, in a couple different directions, but. What does dental health care normally look like for maybe someone who's elderly, maybe they have Medicaid, maybe they don't, and maybe for others who are underserved that may or may not have coverage and they're looking to, to get just even basic work done?
2: For me, I I look at dental health care as kind of a moving target because it depends upon a couple of different factors. Um, there are financial factors. We all have our priorities in how we can spend our available funds, and sometimes that people are struggling with, with their finances, you know, they have to take care of child care, housing, food, things like this. Those become the priorities. So there are oral health sufferers because they don't have the enough funds to be able to handle that. Other things that can fit into it, access to care. Can, do, can they drive? You know, is it easy to get there by public, you know, transportation? Can you get time off of work to visit the dentist? You know, I mean, you need your job. You, know, you can't take off time because then you're going to lose that job. And then your overall general health has a lot to do with as well.
0: Yeah. And as you said, then if you're not getting that health care that you need, that's going to spill over and affect a number of different parts of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, We are excited to talk to you next about the Delta Dental Community Care Foundation Patient Care Grant that was recently awarded to the School of Dentistry. Tell us a little bit about that grant and how that might be different or affect the care that you just described.
2: This is a project that I began working on not too long after the, um, the the new Maryland Healthy Smiles came into effect. And the the one thing that we discovered in those covered services is that the one area that wasn't covered would be dentures. All right, there's literally no no coverage there. There's a gap. I, I call it a gap in the in in the coverage. Um, Why is that? I can speculate a little bit in talking to some of the folks, you know, at at SkyGen, but essentially when they combine some program, you know, pediatric patients and pregnant mothers really don't have a great need for dentures. So they just didn't think about it. It may change in the future. There's always, they're always listening to us or they're, they're good to work with that way. But. We contacted Delta about this, and Delta had actually reached out to us before because they wanted to help us with our geriatric population. Uh, that was something that they wanted to put some money towards. And so we established this this grant that will pick up that coverage for dentures, both the uh, partial denture or a complete denture for patients, and covered 100%. Um, it's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar grant, which is for the average case probably would affect you know 75 to 80 patients, and uh, we're we're moving right along with that grant. At this particular time, we have probably about 40 patients somewhere in that process. Um, who are you know working towards it's facilitated through all the different predoctoral clinics in the school. so it can be the special patients in geriatrics can can work with the grant also. Um, but basically, the student provider recognizes that if they, they have a need for financial assistance. The patient basically says to them, I don't know if I can afford that, and so they get talking, and so they go ahead and they contact me to find out if this patient is eligible for that grant, and really, the only two criteria are that need to be covered by by Maryland Healthy Smiles, and they have to be over the age of 60. Delta originally asked for 65. I prevailed and said, I think we have a, you know, a greater need, and maybe, maybe we can include a few more people, and, and they were very gracious to allow us to go to age 60.
0: You know what I think is really encouraging? Just that you said they're so good to work with and that they're listening to you because you have your finger mm-hmm. on the, the community and what really is needed. So Bob, you've mentioned elderly, you've mentioned pregnant women. What about the special needs community? Are they covered by this if they have Medicaid
2: at this time, they're not. That's something that we're looking into. Now, I don't have a, a perfect answer for that, and and that is a gap in our coverage because we've had some patients who have some personal issues and they end up losing their teeth at, at you know in their in their 30s, and you know, that's a, a a crisis for that person, you know, because they're still quite young at that point. And so we are working, you know, towards you know getting some kind of coverage for them in the future, but that's that's another project for us.
0: Gotcha. So it's not perfect, but it's, it's helping a lot. and True. <laughs> growing and evolving. How about in terms of patient success? Like, do you do any types of assessments before, during, after to determine what satisfaction there is with the dental services and how that could also evolve?
2: Um. The faculty has a lot to do with what goes on during the treatment you know, in other words, faculty is is present for you know, the treatment processes It's up to us as faculty, Dr. Dar and I are both involved as faculty in in our clinics to talk to the patient and see how they're doing and things along those lines. We do have surveys that we send out after appointments also um yeah, you know, that was one of the things that I work with with the school. We were sending out email surveys and we discovered that. That uh, many of our patients, in fact, most of them probably have a cell phone, but many do not have access to internet or or a laptop computer or anything like that, or they don't even have an email account. But we moved it over, and now we send a text out, and there are just five questions, so it's nice and quick and easy, thirty seconds, and you can you can do a survey, and and then with our response went from about oh I think four to five percent. Over over 25% now. So we're getting a, a pretty good response. We get a lot of comments that people make. And then you know we literally review these at our quality assurance committee every other month, and and then reach out to the different clinics and pass on some of the, the the positives and the occasional negative. We we answer that and we get back in touch with people to find out why it's a negative. It gives us an opportunity to open that dialogue, and and if it's something that we've we've dropped the ball on, we're able to help those people out and move on with it. So I think that's a pretty good process.
0: That sounds great.
1: Yeah. And, and you gave some examples of like how this is like transformative for for patients and what it means to some of them. Obviously, this creates opportunities for students as well at the University of Maryland School of Dentistry. So take us through about how students get involved with some of these programs.
2: Mostly the, the students become involved when it starts with their patient. In other words, when he, when we have our orientation, which happens in, in June of each year, May to June as the new classes either move up or a new class comes into the clinic, uh, we start talking about some of these programs that are available. I went ahead and drew up a um a single page that we could put in our business manager's offices that would specify that and that way they can hand that out to students as well, so that they stay aware of what we can do. But this this Delta Dental Community Care Grant is is one of several different grants that we work with. We have a another grant that that we help people to maintain their teeth. In other words, that they if, if a root canal would be a really good treatment, most people can't afford the crown coming in afterwards. So. Um, so basically, if the patient's able to pay for the root canal, then the grant covers the cost of crowning the tooth and any other work that would have to go into getting that crown done. So that's another grant. The school also has a 30% reduction of fees for, for people who are in. Vinit mentioned that we have. Medicaid coverage for patients who are underneath a certain poverty level but we have patients that get stuck in between you know they're they're over that level so they can't really get Medicaid uh, but they really can't afford it either so if you know if they send us in Information in as far as their their income and expenses, and we're able to give them a thirty percent reduction on our predoctorate fee schedule, which is already about half of what it is out in the private sector. So that way, it gives them an opportunity to hopefully get some work done and and to at least take care of urgent needs and things along those lines.
1: Absolutely, and that's fantastic doing that for for the community and. And, as you mentioned earlier, providing another way for students to get involved and in have that face-to-face interaction with the community. I um, mean speaking of. so Vineet, you're involved with another community dental program that's making huge difference for children in Maryland for the past decade. So tell us what does the oral health for underserved uninsured children program enable you to do for families?
3: Thank you, Charles. Uh, before I respond to your question, I want to share some more information about the program that is, I think, very critical. So a 2016 research paper published in Lancet on global burden of diseases reported dental decay to be the topmost prevalent uh, chronic disease uh, in general health. So it is estimated that about half a million of children worldwide have tooth decay in their baby teeth, the primary teeth. And the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry, AAPD, reports and has data on how untreated tooth decay can impact the child's quality of life. It could be missed school days, it could, be, it could impact the ability to concentrate on studies, and so on and so forth. So when we come to Maryland, there are about 750,000 children that receive medical and dental services through Medicaid. And about 10 or 11% of those have dental decay. About 60,000 children in Maryland don't have any dental insurance. They are uninsured. And in our experience, the rate of dental decay is five times in this population. So if it's 11% in that, it's five times more in the uninsured population. Now, if you go to the School of Dentistry, Vision Statements is advancing oral health and improving lives. And that's what we are focused on. So the Oral Health for Underserved Uninsured Children Program, or OHUUC program, is a dental home program, essentially. It's for children from families who have limited income and no dental insurance. So they are not eligible for Medicaid and have limited access to care, and frankly speaking, no other place to go. And is largely because of their undetermined immigration status, but there are other reasons as well. Uh, So we focus on providing care to these families through this program.
1: Well, that's great with mentioning all the people served uh, through this program, and go maybe more into detail about how, how this is making a difference in the community.
3: Sure. So we are treating about five hundred such children in this program every year. and this is only possible because of our multiple community partners in the area. How it's making a difference? Well, we are we have developed an innovative and replicable community based program. When I say replicable, I'm saying it's it's a need is countrywide. It's gaining that national reputation. And the purpose is to promote health equity by reducing disparities. It has enhanced our ability to serve vulnerable populations, regardless of their insurance status. We have created over 1,000 first-ever dental homes in the last couple of years. These families are more than grateful. And a non-financial feature of this program is that It has increased patient experiences for our dental students, resulting in more young dentists committing to oral health care for underserved children, and as well as increasing their interest in specializing in pediatric dentistry. So it's really, it's a win-win from many perspectives and really making a very meaningful difference in the society.
1: Now, you mentioned the phrase dental home. What does that really mean for someone, having a dental home?
3: A dental home is an ongoing relationship between a dentist and a patient. So it's an inclusive environment which covers all aspects of oral health care delivered in a safe, comprehensive, continuous, and a a family-centered way, regardless of social or financial barriers. So the American Academy recommends that every child should have a dental home by age 12 months, so first year of life, which is hard to achieve, but we have been advocating strong for it and we have obviously helped with the financial barrier in this program for parents to be able to reach to us. This is to provide a lifetime of optimal and or optimal oral health. Our message is clear. We, we are saying that every child deserve, deserves a dental home. And we are saying to the families, yes, we can see the need, and yes, you can trust us. So every child deserves a dental home is what we are pushing.
1: You received multiple grants over the years to support this program, and particularly from Delta Dental Community Care Foundation, and even the Baltimore-based ABLE Foundation. How are these grants helping you expand your outreach? And I guess it sounds like they're maybe targeting you know, who they're helping or serving, right?
3: Absolutely, Charles. I, if I, uh, I'm reminded of 2016 when we started this grant, this program rather, it was a support of $5,000 from Maryland Academy of Pediatric Dentistry to see 25 or 30 kids. And we were seeing in our clinics families coming to us with bringing their children for urgent care only. So they were not bringing them for preventive care, routine dental care, just for urgent care. So we knew there's a population out there that needs our help. These are Maryland children that need our help. And with the help of these grants, Delta Dental, Able Foundation, Melanin Department of Health, American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry, and now state support, we have come to a, a, a position where we are able to support so many more kids. From 20 kids to more than 500 children in a year is where we have reached because of the supporting grants. So a lot of gratitude to these foundations for supporting the right cause that, and you know, supporting the dental home for everyone's support.
1: Absolutely. That's a huge, huge accomplishment going, going from that. You know, small start to, to how big you've grown. So, kudos!
0: Thank you. Those numbers are incredible. Coming from a mother's standpoint, if I'm bringing my child to you, am I? I'm. What I'm hearing is I'm. I'm coming for wellness visits too, right? To try to negate for the traumatic care later or the specialized care later.
3: That is our focus. We want children to come for well visit, get their oral health education, get their anticipatory guidance, which is age appropriate get preventive care, and hopefully uh, they don't need any urgent care at all, but any routine care that we can get for them, we should do that first. And if they need urgent care, we are always there. So we are we are open for the urgent care. We allow walk-ins. You can just walk in. If there's a family that doesn't have the insurance, they can just walk into the school of dentistry, pediatric dentistry clinics uh, with their child and we'll provide care.
0: And is there a continuum of doctors that the family will see, or is it just depends on the day you get there? Oh,
3: there is continuity, continuity of care uh, for most of the part. Uh, it being a residency program, that there is a thing that residents graduate and they're new residents after every <laughs> two years. So that that is part of the program, uh, the, the nature of the program. But other than that, it makes a child more comfortable when they're seen by the same provider. So as much as possible, we try to do that.
0: That sounds great. Thank you for sharing all that about this program. That really does fill that void one of the voids we talked about earlier. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the Mission of Mercy. That's been around for quite a number of years. And my understanding is that operates out of Shady Grove right now. Can you explain where Shady Grove is and then kind of what that program focuses on?
2: So the Mission of Mercy is this incredible experience for both patients and students because you Get involved in this strictly to do dental care for people. You're not worried about the requirement for a school. You're not worried about whether someone's paying for the service because it's just strictly charity. The, the faculty will get involved in it, you know, give up themselves. You know, the the staff who get involved in it are, are doing very similar things too. Catholic Charities helps us out. Um, they basically the patients apply to Catholic charities. Uh, to be seen in, in a mission of mercy, and so we start to arrange that we're trying to do it twice a year right now in April and October. We we have plans to perhaps add a third time, um, but it is it's just a, a a wonderful time to see people and work with people. Um, some of the things we're in need of for the mission of mercy are, are people that can translate. Um, that's I think that's one of my deficiencies as. As an American citizen, as I speak one language, we're very lucky that, it, that English is so universal. But we really need to have greater facility with Spanish because that is the second language in this country now. And so, many of our uh, patients who come to us from the Mission of Mercy, um, you know, require a Spanish translators. So we have several of the nursing students who come in and help us out with that. Some of our staff members speak Spanish. I think that Vanit uh, can tell you in, in his pediatric clinic at the school, too, there's, there is that great need as well. Um, but uh, Mission to Mercy, generally we see about 120 patients um, at a time. And like I said, it's, a, it's just a joyous occasion. Um, the Shady Grove campus is, I think, down towards Rockville in that area. It is part of the University of Maryland, Maryland system. Um, and it's a very, very nice facility down there.
0: That's terrific. Thanks for that clear definition. So that's happening twice a year and we'll put information about all of these programs we're talking about in our show notes, of course, so people can learn more and access to, to get more information.
1: Particularly for Mission of Mercy, how does someone, if they need care like that, how do they sign up to, to get a chair?
2: Essentially they need to go through Catholic charities. They apply to Catholic charities for, for an appointment, um, Catholic Charities reaches out. They we, we get a medical history ahead of time. And so, so they become entered into our system. And then they literally schedule an appointment. We do accept walk-ins as well, but we try to schedule a lot of appointments just to get an idea of how many patients we're actually seeing. We, we schedule about 80 patients. Not all of them show up. That's part of, of, of dentistry sometimes. Sometimes the tooth hurts that particular day, and uh, when, when you signed up for that appointment and you're, you know, you're really looking forward to getting taken care of, but you wake up that morning and it's not hurting anymore. And the fear of dentistry takes over at that particular time and overwhelm you know, the desire to get something taken care of. Um, that's a hard thing for us in dentistry is that you know, the, the fear of what we do is, is a big obstacle to overcome for some patients.
1: But if you haven't been to the uh, Samuel D. Harris National Museum of Dentistry, they have a lot of great things over there to help kids feel more comfortable about going to the dentist and, and making more fun. We also had a, a previous episode interviewing them. We can put, the, put a link to that in our notes as well if you haven't heard that episode. But getting back to the task at hand, uh, Bob, there's that other partnership. Uh, that began in April of 2023 between the uh, Department of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery and Total Health Care. And that helps residents in West Baltimore. And faculty are involved with that too. Before you go in in depth about that program, I see this term a lot when mentioning this, how it's a federally qualified health center. And not a lot of people probably know what that designation is and, and why it's important. So tell us about the significance of that designation for for this partnership, first,
2: um, total health care is part of of that program. The federally qualified health center. They're dedicated to caring for the underserved communities in Baltimore. Basically, they they look at again the the income and poverty level in certain neighborhoods, and they reach out to those neighborhoods. So they're. In Baltimore, I mean, I could list a whole lot of them all, all the way from Bolton Hill to Upton to you know Riley Salite, you know Washington village all a whole lot of different neighborhoods. In fairly close proximity to the school, the school is is located in, in, in a good position to, to help these folks as well. The oral maxillofacial surgery department reached out to help out with what they can do as far as doing extractions or other things along these lines for patients there, uh, or just to do some, some general screening. Um, this, this program, Total Health Care, is, as it's described, they're looking at, at both medicine and dentistry together as a, as a, a, a full health care package for people. And so this is an opportunity for us in dentistry to partner with, with, uh, with medical personnel um, to move on with our patients we're very fortunate that the new dean of the of the school of medicine Mark Gladwin is is very much in, involved in a collaborative effort between dentistry and medicine and that's something that that will be coming more in the future i know that, that our dean Reynolds is is close with with dean gladwin and and they're working on that too so um that's that's something for the future for us. Maybe that maybe that gap that we have for our our, our special needs patients can be handled by that too, as as Dean and I talked about earlier.
0: The school, the dentistry school here at University of Maryland Baltimore is doing a lot of good work in the community. And it kind of makes me think back to we are one of the the primary providers of opportunities for education in professional areas, dentistry being one of them. You mentioned School of Medicine. We actually have six professional schools and an interdisciplinary graduate school. We talk about our mission here at UMB a lot. Can either of you comment on you know, just how you feel we are living out our mission through these programs?
3: As I kind of alluded to earlier, UMSOD's purpose statement is advancing oral health, and improving lives. I think well, the effort in the direction of our purpose has been toward in all areas of teaching research and patient care and we uh, I think under Dean Reynolds leadership have progressed a lot in this area patient-centered care is in the is in the heart of what we do and we try our best to make it evidence-based so our our faculty our uh, our staff we are all really geared towards that and it's not only about The education to students is also about how best can we take care of the vulnerable populations? How best can we give back to the community? How best can we train our our students and how can we make sure that all of this is based on good research and good evidence? So I I think the School of Dentistry is living to its purpose and really moving it forward.
0: Really well put. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Of
1: course. Absolutely. And, We've been covering a lot of different programs um, through this episode, but I'm sure people are listening or or watching thinking, well, I need a crown done. I need maybe an extraction. Where do they go to to find out if they qualify for some of these programs? Is there a central website or phone number, whether that's on a national level or even at the School of Dentistry?
2: Um. If we want to look at, at Medicaid program, I can provide a phone number for that, which is 855 642 8572. And then the website for that would be www.marylandhealthconnection.gov. So I can provide these. Maybe so that way you can list them on the podcast later on. But you know, I had looked those up. Because, again, earlier, I think we had talked about the prospective patient would need to verify that coverage to make sure that they are covered and then they can come to the school. And if they want to come to the school, you know, at that point, they want to go through the call center. And and I can give that number also, which is 410-706-2801. And so they can talk to the lit folks that work down there, and they know which which clinic to send them to. Generally, they go through a screening process and then we can direct them to where they can be best cared for.
1: Thanks for providing those numbers. I think some people might think that it's hard or impossible to to get in certain clinics that that for people who don't have coverage. so is it a challenge for people to to get seen? for some of these community clinics, or if they're screened the right way, you know, you're able to find something, some sort of program, whether that might not be your program that they might qualify for.
2: Um, The screening is set up to benefit both our patients and students. One of the weaknesses we had in, in in prior years was that we screened it and then the patient had to be assigned later on so they ended up entering into this void and they sometimes they got lost so we changed that the students are assigned to a screening block in other words so that's for five days are going to be involved in the screening clinic. And at the time that they see that patient, the patient's assigned to that student right away. So this is continuity of care. So as soon as they're involved in the screening, they, they move right in with the student. Um, now, there are times when that case is more advanced. There's a lot more breakdown um, or different things along those lines, and they need to be assigned to a residency program. Vinny, maybe you can tell us as far as how how the uh, pediatric patients come in, too, along those same lines.
3: Yeah, thank you, Bob. I think it varies so much depend- depending on different specialties and clinics. But in pediatric clinics, uh, we mostly have Medicaid patients. Again, the same rules and principles apply, as Bob was mentioning. Uh, in addition, if there is any a child or, or families that have children that don't qualify for Medicaid, are not eligible for Medicaid, they can go through their our community partners, they can reach out to a social worker, and get referred to us. But let me say this out to your listeners, um, that if your child is in pain or you have reasons to believe that there are signs of dental infection, simply walk in as, a, as an emergency patient during working hours in pediatric clinics, you will be seen. Um, please don't delay care. And that's what we are there for.
1: Great. That's an incredibly helpful message. And hopefully a lot of people will take that advice to heart. Thank you.
0: Before we sign off, is there anything else you, either of you would like to share, something maybe we've forgotten to ask or wouldn't know about asking?
2: I think, only one thing I might mention, you know, this is for Vinit's clinic, people often ask, well, how old should my child be before I bring him in for a dentist? So, Vinit, I think that's that's been changing, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, the recommendation, as I said earlier, we we say we start seeing children at, at age one, So if we want to promote preventive services, oral health education, we'd rather not take your child to a stage where they have decay in their mouth and need to be treated for that. So the earlier, the better. Year one of age is where we recommend. That is definitely what pediatrics uh, is strongly advocating now. Uh, I'll, I'll add to it also that I'm very proud of where I work, University of Maryland School of Dentistry. I think it's a great place for the faculty, staff, our, our students, and for patient care. We really, all of us, put a lot of hard work and with all sincerity to make it a better place every day. So that's that's what I, I, I'm proud to come here every day, and I really enjoy working. And that's what I would add to it.
0: Well, we are thankful that you both joined us today, and we are very proud to be a part of an institution that truly does make a difference in the community and beyond. So thank you both for what you do every day. Thank you for joining us, and Happy New Year.
1: I wish I could say listening to the podcast about dentistry will get you maybe a dollar or two from the tooth fairy when you wake up tomorrow, but uh, I don't quite have that budget. But what we can bring to you are some highlights about some episodes you missed about the school of dentistry that that we covered before. That's a present, right?
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's a, little, a little New Year's gift for everybody. Actually, one, one little nugget we can share with you is a prior episode of The Pulse, which you can scroll back and, and find that easily tied into teeth and, and health and well-being for children especially. We have something called the Samuel D. Harris National Museum of Dentistry on campus. It was appointed in 2003 by Congress as the National Museum of Dentistry. In that episode, we talk about the museum, we talk about the program and they have a really great program for children where it sets children up at an early age to learn about dentistry and what a visit to the dentist looks like so hopefully it'll take away any fears that they might have the first time they go to the dentist and the and bob referenced that earlier today so we'll put the link to that in our show notes
1: there's always something new going on at the museum so we know that that episode is uh little old on the shelf right now. So check out their website, dentalmuseum.com, for for updates. The other episode you should really check out is one that came out January of last year featuring an alum, Catherine Pollack. She created the Planet Smiles Discovering Dentistry Camp. And that's a really cool summer camp that she hosts here at UMB where she has students from the community as well as our UMB Cure Scholars um, in that program as they're trying to discover potential STEM careers. And they're hands-on in our dentistry labs, working on how to do a filling, how to stitch stitch somebody's gums up after uh, some dental surgery.
0: Well, Charles, this was a great way to kick off the new year. I think we've provided a lot of valuable resources for our community. I learned a great deal. And as always, I am just so proud to be at a university where we do, we really do make an impact in the community. So happy new year, everybody. And happy new year to you, Charles.
1: Thanks. And don't forget to floss. (laughs)
0: The
3: UMB Pulse with Charles Chalet and Dana Rampola is a UMB Office of Communications and Public Affairs production. Edited by Charles Chalet, marketing by Dana Rampola.